entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf and today with our guest host, Jay Kelly Hoey. Along with Kelly and our executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guys on this learning journey. To learn more about Kelly, check out her website at jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey.co. Okay, Kelly, let's get the conversation going. Thanks, Marty. This is Kelly Hoey, guest host of the Business Builder Show, and I am so thrilled to have two women I admire so much. Um, I would say great I would say friends in the New York City venture community uh, and whose day-to-day jobs as well as a side project initiative they have is really um, admirable and has been getting, boom, is blowing up and and getting some really great um, media attention. So welcome to the show, Jessica and uh, Sutian. Thank you. So, oh, I'm so thrilled you're here. Um, You know what? Sutian, let me start with you. Um, you are a partner at the Female Founders Fund. You're an NYU Stern grad. Uh, you were in sort of fintech and fashion. Uh, how did you transition into your first VC role? That is a great question, Kelly. I, I always like to, to say that VC is a little bit of a, a random industry. I mean, the success is certainly can, can seem random. And, and I think people's entry points into VC can be a little bit um, unusual as well for me. Um, so most recently uh, to Female Founders Fund, I had spent a number of years at a shop in New York called First Mark Capital doing mostly consumer Series A investing. And I was introduced through to, to the folks at First Mark from from my prior job. Uh, before joining Venture, I was director of marketing for, for a fashion house in New York called Norris Ferrari, and and one of the, the largest investors and the chairman of that, that company, Lawrence Lenahan, was coincidentally also the founder and managing director of First Mark Capital. And, uh, you know, it happened to be the right place, right time for me when I was thinking about making a career shift in, and had come to the realization that, you know, I, I love consuming fashion, but I don't particularly wanted uh want to to create a career in, in producing it uh and he uh, first mark was at the time looking to expand their their consumer investing scope and took a took a bet on me which i'm, I'm incredibly grateful for but you know venture was not nothing that i had thought about pursuing uh and it wasn't a goal i had aspired to but it was a very lucky coincidence um and and after after joining first mark i just found that i i loved the job and and um have have you know, had had such a such a great time um, both at First Mark and at Female Founders Fund. That's amazing, and I'm I'm going to be talking about you know what it is you love about your job and all the rest of it. So Jessica Peltzat, you love, is sitting right across from me, which is kind of <laughs> exciting. Uh, she's also, for those who have read my book Build Your Dream Network, she's at page fifty nine. So crack your book <laughs> open if you've got it in front of you. Uh, and Jessica, you found yourself in New York uh, in two thousand two after a job offer fell through in Chicago. Amen. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Chicago. Uh, and you. Uh, <laughs> came you know, sort of madman you landed in an agency in New York um, so talk about 
what you were doing originally in your career, sort of 2002-ish uh, uh, with media agencies and how that lay the groundwork for venture. Yeah, I mean, New York has, has sucked me in ever since, uh, and now and now I can never leave. Um, but similar to CTN, I had a, a winding path into venture. I, I started my career on the customer side, so I spent 10 years at a global media agency. Uh, I was at Zenith Media, where I was handling handling the integrated print and digital strategy for brands like Verizon Wireless and H&M and Gucci and Puma and 20th Century Fox. Um, unfortunately, you know, I was um, running Verizon strategy back in 2009 to 12, which if you look back at, at that point, it was just, it was like a front row seat to consumer behavior changing towards mobile. Um, so I became the person at the agency that started to track trends and adoption, um, you know, did the first ever tablet sponsorships with timing for Verizon. We launched the Android device which at the time we thought only millennial males would buy because we had this terrible campaign that was this weird robotic arm for Troy does. Um, but that's really what got me interested in mobile and emerging technology. This was back in 2011-ish. You know, the New York startup ecosystem was just starting to bud. Um, you know, Entrepreneur's Roundtable was, was launching. Some of the early tech wins in New York were, were just being born at the time. And I started mentoring startup founders. And I just recognized that my background as a marketer was just so incredibly helpful to these founders that typically had more of a product or an engineering background. Um, so helping them get their first customers, helping them connect the dots with with um, the the business side of things just became something I really fell in love with. Um, so, you know, instead of kind of buying homepage takeovers in magazine ads, I decided I wanted to work with founders, these like incredible people that just saw problems differently. Um, but I wanted to get operating experience. I actually left, um, cushy agency life. I shouldn't say cushy, but you know, a stable corporate life, um, to join a startup. We were one of the first innovation boutiques in New York. Um, and we helped connect brands and startups. Um, so we were working with Kraft and Mondelez and Unilever to essentially provide context around the startup ecosystem and help them get their first customers, help the startups get their first customers, help the corporates learn how to test with technologies, um, and for me, I, I just, I found it so invaluable to be working at an early stage startup to just really empathize with the pain that comes with being at an early stage startup. So I helped them scale that business for a few years, um, ultimately built out a partnership network of just hundreds of different venture funds, accelerators, shared workspaces from around the world, um, had a relationship actually with first round capital who, when this role opened at MDC a, a, a little less than five years ago now, um, same type of thing as CTN, you know, they, they took a bet on me, uh, and here we are. So really, I mean, my vision for corporate VC, which we're a corporate fund, we're not an institutional fund, is that I believe that we should be investing in these white spaces and these pain points that we see in the market as domain experts, and we should be testing and learning with the companies in our portfolio. So because we're a corporate investing in digital media and marketing tech, it really became a nice transition for me to blend all those skills together. Amazing. Um, Sutian, talk about the Female Founders Fund, um, because it is not a corporate VC, I'm going to say more private VC, and what it is that your fund is investing in. Yeah, absolutely. So so at Female Founders Fund, we invest in early stage internet and software companies 
founded by women, which is the big differentiator between us and most other funds in the ecosystem. And and the once upon a time story of Female Founders Fund is that we were founded in 2014 with this point of view about the world that that it's changing and that the face of entrepreneurship and the people who are going to be starting and scaling the companies of the future are just honestly going to look really different than the prototypical successful entrepreneur of the past. So not just and, you know, I'm overgeneralizing here, but not just white male college computer science dropouts. And we felt as female investors that there was a big opportunity to invest in companies founded by women um, who were creating uh, creating businesses across all industries from fintech, healthcare, IT, all the way down to, you know, media content, direct consumer e-commerce. We found an opportunity to invest in these women and their businesses at an early stage uh, where they were really as entrepreneurs entrepreneurs pitching themselves, right? And uh, we thought we could provide the earliest source of institutional capital to these founders and hopefully a lot of the other resources uh, and network and support that help them take a company from zero to one and then to scale. The, the fund itself uh, is, is, as you mentioned, Kelly, institutional, which means that we're currently investing out of a $27 million fund. It's our fund two. And we announced the close of that uh, I want to say early in in 2018, so not too long ago. But it's been um, it's been fantastic to to see the breadth and depth of female founders just increase exponentially over um, over the five years that we've been around. And Jessica, you mentioned MDC is a, a, a corporate, and what? Okay, so talk about that for people who are like well that's nice there's institutional <laughs> or you know corporate what's the you know what is a corporate vc why the heck right. does a corporation have a vc arm uh, and what the heck you're investing in yeah absolutely so so the main difference between corporate venture funds and institutional venture funds is whereas funds like female founders funds raise a fund from outside capital from lps um, for the purpose of delivering financial returns for us as a corporate, we're investing off the balance sheet of our parent company, which is MDC Partners. So our core business is we're a global advertising holding company. Um, so we own some of the top advertising agencies in the world um, for creative services, media, PR, social, and everything in between. Um, so we work with over a thousand Fortune 500 brand clients, um, all in that capacity, their creative and media services. So our venture arm is really designed to help keep those brands ahead of the curve. Um, so we like to say we're addressing, we're investing in early stage technologies that are addressing the needs of the modern CMO. So we're investing in all seed stage, seed series A companies um, around data and analytics, content, commerce, anything that, that's dynamically changing the way um, brands are interacting with their consumers. So our venture arm is really designed to help keep our agencies and our brand clients ahead of some of these fundamental shifts that are happening in the media and the marketing space. So our value add back to the entrepreneurs is we're able to help them get their first customers, figure out how to commercialize their business, understand market positioning, PR and branding, things like that. Um, wherever we can be strategic, um, that's something that we're constantly thinking about. You know, How can we add value to these businesses in the form of domain expertise, customer introductions, things like that? over the next six to 24 months. And on top of that, you know, how can we learn about a problem we hadn't thought of or a question we hadn't thought to ask to then educate our clients and our agencies um, to be smarter and at the forefront of these shifts? 
Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Now, before I jump into the Women in VC directory, um, what does a week, typical week in the life of a VC look like? I mean, I think people <laughs> have these notions about what it is that venture capitalists do. Um, so I don't know, Jessica, as I'm sitting across from you and all this glamour that is your yeah, life. I, <laughs> I joke my media life was, was my past life as a socialite. Definitely not venture. <laughs> Um, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, there are similarities and there are differences between a, a corporate and institutional. I mean, it's, it's really a combination of meeting with entrepreneurs, meeting with partners, um, meeting with co-investors, um, a lot of research and detective work about the companies that you're diligencing with. Um, there's never really one day that's, that's the same. I mean, it's one of the reasons I love the job is, is you know, you, you just get to kind of surround yourself with these people that want to change the world and really think about the problems that they're solving and think about the way that markets are changing. Um, so I would say it's it's really a blend of just um, interacting with different people. Um, CTN, I know you you obviously have other dimensions of that also, um, but for us, yeah. it's... Yeah, yeah. Talk, about, talk about a typical week, CTN. What, what does your like week a, look like? What's the glamour yeah. of your life at the Female Founders Fund? <laughs> oh, super glamorous in our very, very small office with, you know, super high-end things in there. No, um, yeah, Jessica's just, just right. The, the, one of the really wonderful sort of brain-expanding parts of being a VC is that no typical day looks the same, and weeks are pretty varied as well. And so I'd say the biggest difference between we, – we do a lot of the same things, Jess and I, functionally, yeah. and our jobs, I'd, I'd say the biggest difference um, uh, between our uh, our jobs is that I, I do um, a fair amount of investor relations as well, which mm-hmm. means that, you know, for each fund that we raise, we have investors who invest into the into the fund. And we um, it, it's my job to keep them abreast of what's happening, what new things we're investing in, what uh, what trends we're excited about, because these relationships are, you know, are very long-term relationships where these these LPs, as we call them, limited partners, these investors are going to be invested in our fund for the next, you know, 10, 12 years. And, um, and with a lot of early stage funds as well, uh, there's always a component of, of constant fundraising. Um, you're, you're never sort of, you're, you're not always actively fundraising for your next fun. But that being said, you're always developing new relationships, deepening mm-hmm. existing ones. And so that tends to be the um, the area where we, we scale up and scale down depending on where we are in the fundraising cycle. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the mistake people make is, is dropping off the relationship building and think that they can just, oh, yeah. you know, send out, send out, hey, we're fundraising, whether it's a startup or a VC. And I think yeah. any entrepreneurs listening to this conversation that I'm having today with uh, Jessica Peltz-Zatulov of MDC Ventures and Sutian Dong of the Female Founders Fund, um, you know, be, maybe be surprised that institutional VCs have to constantly be fundraising. Um, one oh, of the things yeah. I want people to know, uh, where, I know you guys are active on Twitter, Where? what are your Twitter accounts so if people want to see what you're up to, where they can follow you? Uh, I'm at Jessica Peltz. And I'm at Sutian Dog. We're easy to find. Yeah, we're very, very easy to find. Easy, um, easy to find. And I would agree with what you were saying, um, too. So whereas Sutian obviously has to do a lot with investor relations, you know, for us internally, we're constantly advocating with the senior management of the different agencies, with some of our brand clients, with, with our investment committee. So, you know, it's constantly just your your you're managing, I, I say, four or five different layers of your network because you need everybody to, to champion 
to champion you and champion your initiative. So it's not only you're managing your network of founders, which is obviously incredibly important, but you're managing your portfolio of founders, you're managing your co-investors, you're managing your people internally, you're managing your limited partners. So a huge part of being in VC is is not only communication skills, but relationship building and CRM skills um, to be sure that people know when to think of you for an investment opportunity. Um, make sure an entrepreneur knows that you're investing or things like that. So there's a huge part of the job that is not only just being like obsessively curious about what are these new problems that are being solved, but kind of keeping all your people in your village um, together to continue to support you and your initiatives. So you don't just get to take the money and run off and invest it. Oh, my. What a shocker. All right. Well, this is a good segue um, into the Women in VC directory, um, which is really kind of exciting because I've seen and watched what you guys have been doing since 2015 when you – what was it? 15 women in VC gathered. It almost sounds like a line in a no, joke. I know. <laughs> 15 women in VC gathered in at a bar York. in uh, New York City. And yeah. now, like, t- you know what, Sutian, why not, why not I start with you? Like, talk about that initiative um, and uh, the women in VC directory. For those who don't know it, it's um, women-vc.com. Uh, that's where you'll find the directory online. So, Sutian, talk about this new directory that move from a bar to a spreadsheet to a website to a global initiative that's <laughs> right yeah so so from new york to to the world uh so so the story is actually um just as you 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 both described there jess and i met um just was it in late 2014 i want to yeah. say yeah um and, it was and right we were, after it was right after i transitioned to venture and i had met like three women after i had been in venture for maybe two three months and when we met, it was obviously game over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, for for us, we so we met in 2014, and and um, Jess really, um, I think brought brought a perspective to to the table. She's like, "Hey, Sichuan, where are all the women in VC?" And I was like, "That's a really good question. Um, there's only a couple that we knew of." And and we said, "Well, we should do something and bring bring women together." And um and so we hosted the first ever women in VC uh, gathering in New York in February of 2015. It was honestly 15 women, um, uh, not only just meeting at a bar, but we crashed a party at a bar. I guess we were well-dressed enough that people thought we, you know, we were invited and we're like, oh, okay, free drinks. Great. We'll sit down. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we've expanded that group in in New York from from 15 women now to over 300 women um, within within the metro area alone, which is pretty incredible growth in, in, you know, only only four four and a half years and um in um in late 2015, Jess had this idea, actually, of uh, of saying, well, we get requests from people uh, all over the country asking us, well, how do we get involved? Or are there ways that we can, you know, they can sort of leverage what we've done in New York to do it in their own um, uh, own uh, cities? And we said, well, we should put together a, a women in VC directory, right? Something that's super simple. You have only only have access to the directory when you opt in with your information. Uh, but we wanted to lay the foundation for women to be able to connect with each other, to find co-investors, follow-on investors, new jobs, people to recruit, and generally build a tighter net of women sharing deals and finding opportunities to collaborate with each other. And, you know, Jess, do you want to take the, the where we are now? 
Yeah, and and I think that's something else. Um, just to mention this is is so so two things. So number one, the venture community is like a big puzzle to put together. And I remember when I first joined the community about five years ago, I was like, I don't know who's investing in what, at what stage that I should even be sharing with, that I should collaborate with. I was like, I just need like a blueprint for this. And there really wasn't this blueprint out there. So when we launched, when we launched the directory, I was kind of like, I just want to know everybody. <laughs> so, you know, we can kind of know who to collaborate and share deal flow with. And so that kind of expanded outside of New York to then LA and then San Francisco and then Chicago. Um, and then like, like Sutian said, you know, up until a few months ago, it was in a Google doc. Um, and now we recently transitioned it to Airtable, which is which is like a godsend. Um, but we now have over 1300 women um, that have opted in and, and they're all qualified. Um, we make sure they're at an institutional fund, a corporate fund, a family office, an impact fund. Um, from around the world. So we officially launched a week ago. And within that last week, we've gotten now, again, uh, almost 400 new submissions. We've gotten um, new submissions from women in Jordan, Malaysia, Dubai, Louisville, Kentucky, um, Belgium, Chile. And we're just like, holy cow, this is wild. Um, But so now we have representation from over 800 funds. Um, I want to say 36 countries-ish, maybe more. Um, over 85 cities globally. Um, and, you know, our intention is is to help to, to create an infrastructure to enable women to connect, collaborate, and create a sense of community. Um, because I know for me, when I was transitioning in, into the community, I was, you know, you, you're, you we get these emails from women who are the only woman at their fund or they're one of only a few women within their community. So, you know, if we want to really change the face of venture and and start to have a more represented voice in the tech community, especially on the check writing side. Um, you know, we have to be cognizant not only about recruiting more women in, but making sure that women aren't churning out. Yeah. And we believe that this directory and this community is enabling women to, like Sutian said, find more job opportunities because career progression and upper mobility is a huge priority for these women. Um, so having that visibility and that blueprint into who's investing in what at what stage or who might have a job opening or, you know, being front and center um, if you're looking to hire for your fund. Um, we've just heard so many amazing, amazing s- stories that have come out of um, this initiative. That's just so phenomenal. I want to pick up on two things. One, the women in this database it's, it's all self-reported. So yes. I think in terms of people yes. going to the website, I'm going to remind them of the website again. It's um, women-vc.com. Yes. Not underscore, it's a dash, people. So women-vc.com. Yes. Uh, so this is all self-reported data. So, you know, if people are like, oh, is this accurate? It's like, yes, because it's self-reported. Uh, so and- not only is it self-reported, but but we qualify every single person that right. goes in. So we check their LinkedIn profile. We check their funds website. We look to see if we have people in common with them. Like we, we kind of do a quick check um, yeah. because, again, we, we want to make sure that it's qualified and we, we keep it current. So yeah. we remember move churn if you're not in at a yeah, real you're fun, safe. you're not. Yeah, yeah you step, up, you step yeah. away or whatever yeah. else. Like you have to be active and you have to be a check writer. And I think that's the other mm-hmm. really important thing. You don't thing have to, to be, be a check writer. N- not anymore? You have to be at a venture fund. Okay. So we have some that are, that are platform, for example, okay. and they're in operations, um, if they're in general counsel. So as long as you are 
at an institutional fund, a corporate fund, um, a family officer and impact fund. Those are the women that we're including. Um, but if it's just kind of like a startup innovation, yeah, you, yeah. you got to be at a fund. Because honestly, like I think of the data showed something like 14% of the women actually have a hybrid role. And we do see some women making the jump from just operations into investing. So it can also be a nice pipeline. And again, a lot of those women sometimes might go into a VC fund as a platform or operations role with, with the hope and intention of getting into VC. Um, so we want to make sure that they're visible and have exposure for those opportunities. Got too. it. But if, so again, you sort of hit on it. If you were someone who was at an, a, an innovation type entity that's not writing checks. Correct. That's great. Yes. Great that yes. you're working with startups. Yes. Great that you're in the community. Yes. Great that you're you promoting. You have to be at an organization that is writing checks. Yes. God, God, there's got to be some zeros and stuff like there. Marty, you're being really quiet today uh, in this interview. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. I'm learning. I'm learning. Um, the uh, I, I've read all the articles uh, that you've sent me. I've read them diligently, and I, I know you support uh, both these women. They're doing great work. I guess what's going through my mind is, and I, and I read it's something that you wrote, Kelly, but what are the top two or three industries or categories? I, I think you mentioned uh, uh, healthcare at one point, or maybe I read that, but what are the top two or three categories that uh, are being invested in right now by these funds that you're talking about? Yeah, Sutian, why don't you talk about that? Because I think it's important because uh, your self-reported data is busting up some assumptions about what, what women are investing in. Yeah, that's right. So so that's one of the really exciting things about having access to this data and being able to translate it into takeaways for, for the broader community. Um, we actually have the the granular data that will prove a lot of or, and disprove some sort of commonly held assumptions in the ecosystem. And and in speaking of industries, the th- top three industries that our community invests in are healthcare, uh, enterprise SaaS, and fintech. And so I think this totally debunks the notion that women only invest in femtech or women only invest in consumer tech. No, actually, women in our directory, which we think, um, and again, it's hard to say because no one has the, the real number of how many women in VC there are in the world, but this represents somewhere between, you know, 15 to, uh, sorry, excuse me, 25 to 50% of all the women in VC in the world. You know, this this group of women are investing in categories that are, um, are are not anything close to sort of the typical consumer categories that you see a lot of press around. And so there's tons of diversity there. And, and to, to be clear, we, we do a lot of consumer investing, and I, I think there's nothing wrong with that, but there's there's diversity in industries and, and thematic concentration way beyond just the consumer side of the business. Well, and, and you say that because I'm thinking of a um, VC that the three of us know and uh, her frustration where and typically male investors will refer to her, you know, a female founder in a, you know, consumer space. And she's like, why are you sending me this? Just because I'm a woman, yeah. I invest mm-hmm. in cybersecurity. Yeah. Like, you know, this, this, you know, marketplace or this whatever has nothing to do with what I invest in. Um, Jessica, what else surprised you about the data? Um, so I, I think it was less about what surprised us about it, the data and more just validating some things we already knew. Um, it's like Sutian mentioned about the the tech sectors and the categories they're investing in. But 
I mean, I think a big indicator also was, you know, the majority of women are investing at the earlier stage. Um, you're seeing about 75% of women investing at the seed stage, about 70% investing at the Series A stage. And then there's a pretty big drop off. Um, I don't remember the, mm. the numbers exactly. I want to say about 39%-ish are investing at Series B and, and a little more, about 22% of women partners are investing at the growth stage. So, you know, this is something that, that we, I think we've, we've all known, but it, it reinforces that correlation that when fewer women check writers are at the table, fewer women led businesses are getting funded. Um, because the data shows that there, there's, I mean, there's few female led businesses that are getting funded and there's even fewer that are getting funded at the growth stage. Um, so having more women check writers at that table, um, is something that I think is really important to shine a light on yeah, yeah, um, yeah. because we have to figure out how to fix that yeah. and whether that's women raising bigger funds, whether that's making sure that they're better represented and um, firms that are investing across the company's life cycle. Um, there needs to be more women check writers at the table in those more in those later stages of the company. Yeah, because I'm saying that some recent news and sort of, uh, you know, I want to say rent the runway, glossier, you yes, know, where you had some- amazing week. Yeah, uh, women founded- To New York. Yeah, to New York. Yeah, no, no bias. bias. No bias there. <laughs> but, you know, two- Maybe a little bias. Two female founded startups that have hit that billion dollar valuation uh, unicorn status. But um, where do we get more women who, you know, the paltry sum of female founders getting initial, you know, any kind of venture funding, but you're really hitting it on the head. You know, they're only going to get into that unicorn status if they're getting the later stage funding. And if women aren't at the table saying, yeah, you know, this is, this is, you know, advocating for them, um, you know, the difficulty with, with their, that happening. Suzanne, do you, do you remember that you guys published a report about this? Do you remember any of those stats? Like how many last year, how many women like companies raised a series B? Or growth uh, for a series B. Um, no, no, I can speak to the series A, which you know is a little bit earlier. But you know what? What we see happen is that, like you, you hear this stat bandied around, which is, hey, two point two percent of all venture capital financing goes towards female-led startups, which is you know such such a paltry amount compared to the the overall amount of capital in the uh, the in the venture ecosystem. But when you look at it and you cut the data stage by stage, what you're finding is that you're seeing improvements that start at the Series A mm-hmm. and then will will trickle to the B and the C and beyond. And so I know in New York, in New York, uh, in 2013, there was one female-led company that raised a Series A, and that was Zola, which is in our portfolio. And in 2018, there were 18, right? So when you think about that jump from in five years, you had, honestly, an 18x increase in the number of female founders raising capital. I think it, it, it makes me feel optimistic, right, that those companies that have raised the Series A's in 2018, in, in 2019, in 2020, those are going to be the businesses that raise their Series B's. Right? Yeah. And so but, you're pushing that. Yeah. But still, for perspective, I mean, we're talking about less than 50 businesses in the world that have gotten Series B funding, arguably, led by a woman. Do you think that's fair to say? Like, that's, I agree with you that the stats are improving and that's phenomenal. And obviously, you guys are playing an instrumental role in that, but we got ways to go. We yeah. have a really long way to go. And so I think it's important to not get complacent, right? But it's it's important to keep the eye on the ball, but to celebrate your gains along the way to say like, hey, this is good. Like we've done, we've done a good amount of work in moving the needle in five years, um, but that's not 
you know, I don't think we'll, we'll, we should, we should stop what we're doing um, until we get to parity, right? And that's going to take, mm-hmm. unfortunately, a really long time. But hopefully, as more people um, and, and more female investors enter the ecosystem, you're going to see more capital going towards female founders who are scaling their companies. Well, I mean, this is part of the reason why I love the initiative that the two of you have in what you've been doing, because you've been shining on the light on the women are doing things because we can get so caught up in the conversation of what's not happening, mm-hmm. um, which is almost kind of creates that uh, discouraging death spiral of like, why would anyone go into this? Why start a company? It's not going to happen, et cetera, et cetera, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, what there's, I know there's other initiatives out there, so let's give them a shout and celebrate them too. So what are some of the other, and you said parody, so, you know, that word came up. I know you didn't use it in the same context, but I'm going to nab on it anyway. <laughs> well, um, what other initiatives out there that women interested in VC or engaging with VCs should know about? I want to say, don't jump in too quick, either of you. Yeah. Teasing, teasing. No, there there's a ton of initiatives out there. Obviously, there's there's a ton for female founders, but for women in the venture community, Parity Partners here in New York is doing phenomenal things around helping funds um, recruit more diversity into their partnerships, into their funds. Um, All Raise on the West Coast is doing amazing things to help with female founder office hours. Uh, they have a whole network of male champions. Um, they're doing a lot of um, initiatives for women in the venture community, which, which is phenomenal. You know, we all have a shared mission of helping to elevate the voices of women, helping women succeed, bringing them together to collaborate, helping them raise funds. Um, so, you know, we all play nice in the sandbox and we're all really thankful that these types of initiatives exist for women in the community because, for far too long they didn't so um the more voices that we can have to elevate this mission the better yeah i think it's it's phenomenal and 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 as you noted there's been a lot of attention and research uh uh, and initiatives focused on the female founder side, which is great. But if we don't have women doing the check writing, yeah, um, you know what's what's going to happen. And so, you know, kudos to the two of you for um, a all the investing that you're doing, um, and uh, as well as launching the Women in VC directory, which I will remind people once again is at women-vc.com. Uh, Sutian, your Twitter handle again, and then Jessica, yours. It's Sution Dong, so first name, last name, very easy to find. And same with mine at Jessica Peltz. Awesome. People can get in the conversation there on Twitter. Thank you. And there's, I want to say, I didn't dive in today. Marty and I didn't have a chance to talk about all the things you're investing and looking at. So please promise you'll come back. And I know, Jessica, you had a recent piece, interestingly, in in Ad Age on voice technology. And I know that would probably Alexa versus Google. Oh, (laughs) uh, we should probably get into that in a conversation. And, uh, you know, Sutian, you mentioned Zola. So, some of those great female-founded companies and what's going on there. We should talk about that more. So promise me you'll come back. And uh, thank you so much for being on the Business Builder Show today. Thank you for having us. having us. Thank you so much for listening to the Business Builder Show. To learn more about me and I'm Marty Wolf, go to MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. That's MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. To learn more about Kelly Hoey, go to her website, which is jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey.co. And, of course, you can find Kelly and Marty on LinkedIn and Twitter. A reminder, you can find all our Business Builders shows on iTunes, Spotify, and on your favorite podcast app. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf.